your smiling faces. Uh, I am in a series called Ties That Bind, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 31. And I have been, you know, just kind of studying the subject of relationships in the month of February, not just because of Valentine's Day, because, you know, when it's 20 below outside and you're stuck in your home with your family, you better figure out how to make it work, right? That's what happens when it's cold like that. You're stuck. I think one of the most amazing things about preaching the Bible, teaching scripture, is that you have to walk through the things that you teach on. And, you know, today is like no exception. I I consider myself sort of an expert on the particular topic that we're going to highlight today. And and that has to do with how you have to have or how how you walk through crucial conversations. Everybody is going to have a conversation in life with somebody that is challenging. Um, Genesis 31 I want to read in the 22nd verse, and I want to just kind of set the scene right here. Genesis 31, verse 22. It says that Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Remember, he'd been with Laban for almost 20 years. It says he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey. He overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But, someone say but. But God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful. That you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. All right, the scene is set. Let us pray. Lord, this morning, I pray for your grace, your wisdom, your insight, your strength to help us just know what to do, how to connect with one another. I pray that you give us insight and ideas in the nature of relationship, how to make them work with one another. And I pray it would be a word that bears fruit in people's lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. <clears throat> now, I recently did have a crucial conversation with my wife. Uh, and it had to do uh, when I mentioned to Elizabeth one word. Uh, that word was Pakistan. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth was like, you want to do what? You want to travel to Pakistan with your friend Chris? That sounds crazy. Uh, it sounds dangerous. Um, but, you know, Elizabeth and I had a discussion about what the ministry is and uh, that there's a certain sacrificial nature to it. And I, I just told her I have a heart, a burden to go. And, um, you know, it was around those times I got a call from my friends with Christians United for Israel about uh, getting Elizabeth her own trip to Israel. And uh, that kind of sweetened the deal for her. So she said, all right, if I can go, you can go. <laughs> but we did. We had a, a, a conversation uh, about, you know, what that would be like. So I, I tell you, uh, it was sort of uh, a difficult weeks here for me. I did get my visa finally approved to go to Pakistan. And uh, it's a funny thing, man. When you're in moments like that, you know, your emotions are going up and down. And, and so now it's real. I, I, I'm going. And uh, I'm leaving Saturday. So I was praying here this week, and I, I have been fasting, seeking the Lord. I'd covet your prayers. I won't really post a lot about it until we're back because there's a lot of danger associated with it. I'm going to be traveling with a friend of mine. My friend Joel Fagner's coming with me. I'm proud of Joel. Yeah. So he, he said he doesn't think Pakistan's that dangerous like for people to go, but he said we are doing the most dangerous thing you could do in Pakistan. <laughs> so I was like, well, there's that. Um, you know, I felt the Lord put it on my heart that he's sending me. Yeah. I've never had an impression like that from the Lord before. And originally, I was just going to go just for a week, but it's kind of turned into a longer trip because 
They asked me if we would do teaching in the pastor's seminar that's there. And then they want me to stay through Sunday and do a, a, a sermon, preach Sunday morning. Well, Sunday night, I mean, it's going to be a week of ministry that I'm out there. And I, I just felt like, man, the door is open. I need to go through that. So I appreciate your patience with me, allowing us to do this. Right after that, we're going to be in Canada, Elizabeth and I and the kids, to see her mom. And, and uh, one of my overseeing pastors, Dick Dewart, is up there. He's asked me to come. So it's going to be a whirlwind the next couple of weeks. And I, I'm just, you know, feeling like the Lord has got me in that direction. So y'all in good hands with Pastor Daniel and Pastor David. All right, they're, 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 they're ready. They're fired up. Now, I, I'm just telling you, I have had many crucial conversations with those two jokers. All right. I mean, we have learned how to talk about difficult things over and over again. And it's to the point now where I don't know if there's anything we couldn't talk about. Like, you know, and I've shared this, some of you might know, but you know, they, they're, they're like elders here at the church. And They've told me that if there's some kind of screw up in my life where I slip up, they have what's called the soap in the sock policy, <laughs> which is if you put soap in a sock, you can beat somebody up and it won't leave bruises. So, I mean, you know, we've had those real conversations. I mean, I'm grateful for accountability. I'm grateful for crucial conversations that have taken place with them. And I felt like this is a perfect time to teach you about how to have a crucial conversation in your life. And I, I've just set the scene up here because you've got Laban and you've got Jacob who are about to have a, a, a tough talk, which is hard for some people. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And a lot of times people run from it. They, they don't want to deal with it. But I'm telling you, it's necessary in your life. You're going to have to face moments where you know how to talk to people in difficult settings. Now, let me just tell you, I feel like that America is in this amazing moment right now where there's a lot of hunger for a move of God and, and for revival. And I'm celebrating what's taking place at the school there at Asbury University. and Just seeing it spread in universities and, and colleges. And I'm telling you, man, we are ripe. When you look at America, you can see it's a field ripe for harvest. But I feel like I'll really see revival take place when you start getting families get back together. When you've got family units and people loving each other and there's peace and joy in a home, and it's not just celebrating a church service, but you can take it to neighbors and family members. And, 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 and you know what that's going to require? is people who know how to have conversations. That's how my grandma got her whole community saved up there in Bainville. There was the Spirit of God moving, and she was able to communicate some difficult conversations with people. And God moved in that way. So don't think this is just something that for your personal good. This is the way in which the Holy Spirit works in people. Now, I'm, I'm going to pick it up here in verse 26. It says that Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You've stolen away unknown to me. You've carried my daughters like captives with the sword. He's like, man, you got a gun to their head. I mean, and, and like, I, I'm thinking, hey, settle down, you know. In verse 27, he said, uh, why did you fly away secretly and, and steal them away from me and not tell me? He said, I, I might have sent you away with joy and songs and timbrel and harp. And if you know the story, you know Jacob is thinking, uh-huh, sure you would. I mean, you, you've held me up for 20 years lying to me. Right. So he said in verse 28, you didn't allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. He, he said, that was a terrible move. He said, it's in my power to do you harm, but, somebody say but. That's one of the problems with the Bible, man. It's got some big buts in it. <laughs> but, uh, he said, the God of your father, remember Laban was a Syrian, the God of your father spoke to me last night, and he said, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good 
nor bad. I'll tell you what this spoke to me about when, when you are engaging in a difficult conversation with somebody. The first thing you've got to know is that you are not alone. You're not alone in that. That the Lord is with you. That he, he will be there with you in a difficult time, in a difficult moment. Uh, he shows up. I like what it says in the book of uh, Hebrews. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said he'll be with you to the end of the age. That's right now in the present. He wants and he will be with you. David said he's, he's a strength in time of need. I mean, he, he knows how to help you in situations. And Laban, you know, he's, he's kind of coming in hot. When emotions start to fly, when, when there's a difficulty, when, when there's some tension in the situation, what you got to know is that God has got your back, that he'll be with you in that moment. He is showing up here, and just like he did with a guy named King Abimelech in Genesis chapter 20. Remember, Abraham went uh, down to the Philistines, and his wife was so good-looking, he was afraid someone else would take her as a wife. So they played this game that, like, that would be his sister, and King Abimelech wanted to marry her. And what if, if God hadn't have come to him in a dream and said, don't touch that woman? And, and it was like, man, the Lord was with Abraham, just like he's with Jacob right here, I mean, when you're engaged in a conversation that has the potential to explode and erupt, you need to know that God is with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's right there in the difficulty. He's right there in the moment. So when you know the Lord is with you, when you know His, His presence will be there, it will produce some things in you. The first thing it produces in you is a sense of security. Can you imagine what Jacob must have thought? He's bracing for impact in that conversation. And Laban says, I want to let you have it. But God spoke to me in a dream. And I'm sure that just mm, gave Jacob this sense of security. That, that sense that, oh, God is, is with me. Everything is going to be all right. You know what I notice about people who are secure? They don't have to defend themselves. And I'll watch people who they're engaged in, in a conversation that's, you know, tense and the first thing people react with is defending themselves. They immediately start going into their rationale and why they did it. And, they, and it's like they have to prove that what they did justify their behavior. And, and when you're secure, you don't have to do that. When you have security, you can be calm. Uh, that, that's called confidence. Man, confidence is when you know the Lord is with me. That is your confidence. That is your strength. That he's right there with me in the middle of this. And, you know, you think confidence is like noisiness, and sometimes people can get abrasive and jump around. That, that's really not what confidence is. Confidence is when you can rest. Confidence is when you're collected, and, and you can kind of just be relaxed in the moment because you're confident. I noticed that people who are confident are able to be themselves. When you can be yourself in the presence of somebody else, man, that, that expresses a confidence and, and it just lets people know, I'm secure, I'm confident, my nerves are calm. There's something about staying calm that helps you stay in control of the situation. Because that moment when you feel tense and, and your emotions start raging and, and then you, you want to let someone ham it, when, when you're calm, when you're cool, when, you, when you're collected, man, it allows you to just stay in the moment in that situation. You know, we have three little children who love to jump around. And make noise. And I appreciate them. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> but we have to, be, we have to remind them, I, I, calm down a little bit. When, when <clears throat> I had someone come over one time, they said, 
you guys are nice and calm over here for all this, you know, kids that you have. That's good. That's what I want. I want my children to feel confident so they can come to me, they can talk to me, and we can have conversations that are maybe not always the easiest ones. You know, when, when you have that sense of, uh, of calm nerves, this is what I've discovered. When, when you know God's with you in a difficult conversation, you can actually sense God's presence in, in the moment of that time where you're having a, maybe a difficult moment. I, and I've experienced this. I've had conversations with people that are not easy, but I have on more than one occasion experienced God's presence, His grace right there that helped me. And I, I can tell, I've done this for a long time now, pastoring people. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't know if I'm the greatest preacher. I don't know if I'm the most, you know, best leader. I do know I'm really good at having conversations that are difficult with people and having them end well. It's something I've learned. I've exercised that muscle. And, and so I've had, you know, moments where I, I'll talk to people, you know, help things get organized, get corrected. And I can tell if it bore fruit because the presence of the Lord will be there. And I know a person has heard truth and is willing to move on. And that comes from this sense that God is with you. In fact, if I'm going into perhaps a difficult conversation, I will spend time praying beforehand, taking authority over that situation, and watching God's hand intervene. He's with you in difficult moments. That's what Jacob's experiencing. They're in this moment, and the Lord, uh, he, he restrained Laban. He was with Jacob. What an interesting thing to have happen. Now, let me give you a second uh, thought here. In verse number 30, he said, Now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. He said, I understand why you're leaving. You've been away for 20 years. You want to go back there. He asked, You know what? Why did you steal my gods, my, the household idols? Which I'll address here in a little bit. It says that, that Jacob answered and he said to Laban, Because I was afraid. I said, Perhaps you'll take your daughter's by force from me. I mean, he, he knew the character of the man, but he gives us a very interesting clue here. He said, I was afraid. And here's what you got to know about having difficult conversations. You got to know how to be honest with yourself. He, he's just saying, man, I, I was afraid. You know, the easiest person to lie to is usually yourself. And when, when you are an honest person, it means that you're forthright and you're able to, to not, you know, try to lie about something or be deceived. You're, you're, you're doing everything you can to just be as honest as you can in the moment. And here's Jacob, who's used to deceiving people. You know, he's called that. He was a deceiver. I mean, he got in trouble with his brother Esau. That's why he's out that far. He's about to, you know, go back and face the music with Esau. And, and you know, he, he's someone who's been manipulative. He's practiced deception. Jacob's in this moment where he's finally going, you know what? I, I have to come to terms with what I've done I, and be honest, not just with Laban here, but with myself. He said, I, I, I fled because I was afraid. I, I'm afraid that something bad might happen. When you're in a crucial conversation and the tensions are high, the thing that you've got to do above all is be honest in the moment. In that one moment when, when you can feel the adrenaline kicking in and you're not sure how this conversation is going to go, that is the place to be honest. And being honest is not the easiest thing, is it? Because honesty, you know what it requires? Honesty requires that you have self-reflection in the moment. That you could take a look at yourself and understand what's making you tick, what, what's really driving you. And in moments like that where you're self-aware, 
and you're self-reflective, that's when you can understand how this could be perceived by somebody else. That's what honesty is. It's the ability to to just be open before people, and when you do that, there's a disarming nature to it. That's really what Jacob and Esau have been having, a conversation that's kind of like, you know, the Lord stopped me from doing you harm, and and Jacob is saying, I'm trying to be honest, I'm afraid. And and so there's some self-reflection here. And you know what's interesting to me is I I feel like a lot of people, if they're not really in touch with themselves or they lack self-awareness, it's like that's where conversations go from bad to worse. I'm amazed by people who are unable to be honest with themselves in a difficult moment. They, they really sometimes lack the wisdom and the humility required to take a deep look at your heart and figure out what's pushing you. That's why honesty is hard, man. It requires humility. Humility means that you might have to admit some of the faults that you have. And we could talk about a lot of your faults. I mean, I know some of y'all are overly emotional. I know it's true. Some of you are insecure. You know, some of you are, you talk too much, you have a big mouth. Yeah. But enough about you. You know who's got a bigger mouth? You know, one of the greatest things about turning 40 is you kind of come to grips with some failures and flaws you might have, and you figure out it's okay. Yeah, I, I, I have, uh, on many occasions, said too many things. You know, I, I've, I've had a, a big, you know what else I do is I don't often give a lot of details in conversation, and it gets me in trouble. It has led to more crucial conversations with Daniel and David than you could imagine, because I'll leave out key details about something. I get in a rush. I don't think things through. It's part of my personality. And then before you know it, I'm filling out my visa to Pakistan, I've made a mistake. I put Joel's picture on my application. And then for two weeks, I'm just paranoid that the Pakistanis think I'm trying to screw them over. I mean, I'm running my emotion. And, and that's just some of the flaws that I have, all right? I, I, I do certain things too quickly. I don't always think them through. And, and, and it's just kind of the way it works. And I can be honest about that because I'm a humble man. I don't have anything to prove. The older I get, the more content I become with myself. That, that, that's a part of being honest with yourself and having that in conversation. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, honesty is not easy because it involves integrity. You have to be a person of character. And I'm telling you, God is looking for people who have character. He he has had plenty of his servants who have gotten themselves in trouble by, you know, letting things go to their head. And, you know, when you get a little power, a little success, and, and you don't maintain the relationship with God, and before you know it, you've mishandled money or you're caught up in an affair somehow because your ego is so big. And what God is after is people who have character. He, he's looking for men and women who have some humility and, and, and have some integrity in their hearts so he can use them in a powerful way. If you're going to succeed at life and you're going to have conversations that are fruitful and effective with people that may be difficult, you really have to have honesty in that moment. Honest, first of all, with yourself so you can be honest with somebody else. Not an easy thing, but it is a win. Now, <clears throat> they ask the question, I know why you're leaving. Why did you take the household idols? And Jacob didn't know at the time, but his wife, Rachel, had stolen them. She took them, she put them in the saddle, and then she lied about it and said, I I don't know, I can't get up. I don't know where they're at. Well, they never did find those household idols, and more than one Bible commentator has noted that Rachel had a premature death. She died before her, uh, her sister Leah did. 
And a lot of, you know, a lot of people have connected the dots that Jacob said, whoever you find those idols with, you can kill. And it may have been the thing that contributed to her premature death. And that's just another reason for you to be honest in a situation. Honesty matters. Now, here's the third thought. Look at verse number 36. It says, Jacob was angry. You know, he's angry because Laban had accused him. You took my idols. They never did find them. He, he, he said, you know, you're accusing me of all these things. And, 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 you know, what's my trespass? What's my sin? He said, why are you so after me? I mean, he, he, he starts feeling the pressure. He, here's something you got to identify when the heat gets turned up in a difficult conversation. It's that your, uh, your emotions will flare up when you feel disrespected. I'm telling you, disrespect is such a huge topic. It's really a trigger point. Jacob feels this disrespect that's aimed at him. I mean, disrespect is really a feeling. It's an emotion. Respect, we could say, is this sense that it's a healthy sense of pride you might have about who you are, about your situation, about maybe some achievements, that you have some qualities in, in your life, it's really a sense of value that you have. It, it forms around your identity. And, you know, I, I have discovered the reason why emotions start getting wild in hard conversation is because somewhere along the line, someone feels disrespected. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's almost always the case that there's a sense that I am not respected and it becomes a trigger point for someone to just kind of start taking off. And a lot of times, it's just an innocent statement someone made. It's seemingly innocuous, like you didn't think anything about it. And I, I've kind of logged records of this in my own home with Elizabeth. If, if I make a statement and, and somehow she took it the wrong way or it got you know, misconstrued, that sense of disrespect, it just escalates. And, and a lot of times, I'll just have to take a look at maybe my own emotions. Why am I feeling this way? And it will come down to, I did not feel respected in a situation. And that's where people live. I can tell you, you can almost find out if you're really, it's probably somewhere along the line in a way you didn't know it or see it in the moment, you felt disrespected. This is not just a problem for like, you know, myself in a marriage. This is the story of people. I mean, you go back to Cain and Abel and remember that uh, the Lord did not respect Cain's offering. It made him mad. And he took it out on his brother. He killed his brother because he felt disrespected in some way. When Jacob lied about the birthright and got the stew and got the birthright, Esau is disrespected. He's angry. Jacob's on his way back to get you know, that relationship fixed. But it started because someone was disrespected. And then you think, well, that's the Old Testament, but you look forward to even some of the great saints of God in the New Testament. I can bring you to Acts chapter 15. We could talk about Paul and Barnabas when a contention became so sharp that they had to part ways. We're talking about the man that wrote the Bible, Paul. He wrote three-fifths of the New Testament. He got in such an argument with somebody, they had to split ways. Somebody felt disrespected, and that is what triggers people. It's that sense of disrespect. The thing about being respected is it's perceived on a subliminal level. It's, it's perceived in, in, in more than just the words that you speak. There's a number of different ways that you might perceive something. Uh, we have what's often called like a, a filter, your perspective. Uh, it's the way that you interpret the way something was said. You're looking at a situation and what you see is a six, but your wife looks at that situation and she sees a nine. And you got to figure out 
what perspective are we talking about here? And, you know, sometimes it's one of those things that I might make, I didn't mean anything by it, and it just meant, oh, it drive her nuts. And, and, I, and I'll have to stop the conversation. We'll ask ourselves, hey, you know, this is what you said. Is this what you meant? And a lot of times it's, well, no, I didn't mean it that way. That is the way you took it, but that's not how I said it. That, that is a filter. I mean, that, that is how people talk to one another. They, they hear things, and it gets misconstrued, and and so what happens in that moment when you feel disrespected and you haven't heard, your tensions start rising. That's what's happening here. I mean, there's been some disrespect, you know, and now the conversation's escalating. By the way, other ways that people will express respect or disrespect is in things like body language. You know, your gestures, your mannerisms, the rolling of your eyes. 93% of all communication is not with words. It's nonverbal. It, it, it's those mannerisms. It's, it's the way you look in a situation. I mean, I've been in fights with couples, counseling, and, and I can tell where it's going because people have these ridiculous, you know, flailings with their hands trying to explain things. And, and it's just it's the way people communicate. Uh, body language. You know, I read a book by an FBI agent recently. It's called The Like Switch, and it was about how they would turn uh, Russian Soviet agents and the way they did it was just consistently showing up every day and expressing friend signals on a nonverbal way. And over time, it would develop trust with people. So I'm walking down the airport, you know, in Dallas-Fort Worth a couple weeks ago, and I'm sending friend signals to people on a subliminal level. <laughs> a head nod, smile, do I walk? I'm like, oh, this is friendly. Not friendly. Friendly. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's amazing how humans communicate and what it sends to people. And those body languages, the way you signal things, really remarkable. You know what else communicates things is your tone. You ever hear that one? You can tell if Elizabeth is angry halfway across the house or if she needs something. And, and you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a funny thing. I, I've met, I know people, and, and by the squeak of their tone, you can tell if they're really happy or somewhat happy or if they're angry. And it's a pitch of tone. On different levels, it's almost like you got to be a dog and understand dog whistles with people. Uh, the way that respect is communicated, you know, in, in terms of your communication, your filter, your body language, well, it's also communicated in whether or not you've listened to somebody. Because people feel disrespected if they feel like they have not been heard. James chapter 1, verse 19. I like what the Bible says, man. It says you should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I'm not a doctor, but if I was in a medical practice, I would give you uh, this little tool right here. It's called the tongue suppressant. And this might solve all your communication problems. Just say, ah, with me, ah, ah, right there. And if you could apply that and just listen, someone might feel respected. You'd have a much easier conversation just by listening and not trying to talk all the time. I'm amazed by people who get themselves in trouble. Some of the best ministers that I'm with, because I love to hang out with good ones and take notes, are ministers who know how to engage people by asking questions. They get interested in who you are. Do you want to build relationships with people? Start asking questions. Find out who they are, and then don't stop there. Engage in the conversation. Get interested in them. Try, try to figure out what they're saying. Because what that does is it's building this rapport. It's, bir it's birthing respect. People feel valued when you care about them. Yeah. They... they, they, they they buy into that you are listening to what they have. You notice in the story, Jacob got angry. There was a lot of frustration and anger. When people do not feel respected, 
they get angry. That's the reason why, you know, in America we have race tensions because there's a certain segment of the population who feels disrespected. That's how they feel. And sometimes the best thing to do is have empathy, try to understand where they're coming from rather than just, just checking it off. Like, like it, the ability to, to listen to people in situations is so crucial because it, without that, you can find that people get angry. We've got society today that has a total lack of self-control. And so when they feel disrespected about anything, they start going off the rails. Yep, yep. Did you see in the news about that student in a high school in Florida that's six foot six, and the lady took away, the teacher's aide took away his computer, his gaming system, and he beat her up in the hallway. Knocked her out cold, snuck up on her, beat her up kick. I mean, he is a huge dude beating up some lady. And it was just because he got triggered and felt disrespected and lost control of his emotions. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how you have a crucial conversation in that moment, man, it, it, it can be a huge difference in, in saving a relationship. Now, these guys are going back and forth. Laban, Jacob, back and forth. And Jacob's telling him, man, why would I trust you? 20 years, you changed my wages. You took my wife. He's going through all the history of it. And I like what Laban does in verse 43. Laban answered and said, yeah, I could say the same thing. These daughters, Rachel and Leah, they're mine. And all these grandchildren, I got 12 sons, the patriarchs, they're mine. And you took my sheep. Remember, he'd given him the spotted sheep and, and, and they multiplied. God did that. And he said, everything you see is mine. But, verse 43, in the middle of the verse, but, someone say but. but. What can I do this day to see that these daughters and their children, are, are, that they've been born? I, I, he said, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So he said, you know what? Let, let's just stop and get this resolved. And he did something here in this moment that you have to do when you're having a conversation. You have to ask this question. Ask yourself what really matters. People who are skilled at crucial conversations are people who know how to get to the heart of the matter. They get right down to what matters. Because when you know what matters, you'll know what to focus on. And then you can safeguard it. You can work at keeping it protected. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 that you got to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So what does really matter? What, what is he saying matters in this moment? And the answer to that question is that people matter. Relationships matter. He said, my children, my grandchildren matter to me. And I want to do whatever I can to, to ensure that I can maintain the relationship with them. That, that's, that's really at the heart of what he's saying. And, and when you have these moments that are critical and you can feel the tensions rising, you got to take a moment and stop and just ask the question, what is the thing that really matters here? How in the world are you going to maintain relationships with people you don't disagree with? I'm telling you, that's a skillful thing to do. That Not many people know how because they let emotions run wild. you got to stop and ask the question, how am I going to treat my neighbor when I'm tired of his trash being spread out all over the street? How am I going to talk to this rebellious teenager that I have and maintain their relationship? How am I going to maintain the relationship I have with a gay cousin? How am I going to maintain the relationship with someone who's on the different political spectrum than me? I mean, th these are things that now in society, it's like people are losing their ability to have these conversations. The real thing is how 
Are you going to communicate respect with somebody? How are you going to do that? The way that you communicate respect, and, and this is what skillful communicators do, is they know how to influence their emotions so they don't run wild. If you stay in control of your emotion, that Laban had had a dream, a soft answer, the scripture says, turns away wrath. I'm firmly convinced that Laban had had a dream from the Lord. It's like God had been dealing with him. And, and, and that started working in his heart so that he was able to say, you know what? Uh, I, I, I can respect where you're coming from. That, 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 that's a skilled moment. I mean, he, he just basically is respecting him by staying calm. He calmed the situation down. Another thing you got to know about crucial conversations and respecting people is you got to pick the time and the place for it to happen. You got Laban camped on one side of the mountain. Jacob is over here in Gilead. And it's like they know a conversation's coming, so they're setting up a place to have a talk. Like, my wife has grown so much at this. When we first get married, she would drop things on me, and we had to have a little rule. Don't tell me bad things before Sunday morning service. I want to be chipper and smile and talk to y'all wonderful people. After the service is a good time to say, oh, hey, we got this problem. And it's like men when they come home from work. A good time to address them is not right when they've got in dealing with clowns at their job all day, and they're frustrated. They just want to tune out. Men need time to just decompress. And, and by the way, if you're dealing with a wife you got to have a talk with, sometimes you got to learn how to woo her, pull her in, and romance her a little bit and set the scene so you can have a serious conversation. Not just spring it up on her. I mean, she might be just as exhausted by children screaming at home all day as you are at your job. Yeah. Finding a time and a place to talk to someone is crucial. Yeah. It's crucial for you uh, to, to stick with one part of the story. This is where a lot of people miss it. They go around in circles. But what you need to do is what Laban did. He, he boiled it all down to what matters. This is the narrative and the story I'm sticking with. My family matters. And when you just go in circles and try to talk about all the problems and all the situations and how you got frustrated last Christmas when they didn't come on time to the Christmas party and it gets way over here, it, it's like you're not prepared to communicate. And what happens in that moment is people lose it. So if, if you can stay focused on the thing that matters and get right down to the point, you can have a crucial conversation. I've got to ask you the question because crucial, crucial conversations are going to come to you. How are you going to respond to it? Everybody's going to be faced with one. I mean, if you're a leader in any capacity, you're going to have one. How will you respond to crucial conversations that are coming into your life? I mean, they're, they're real. And the thing you got to do is not defend yourself. Man, I find this with people. Maybe you sit there and you realize, I have a habit of always trying to defend myself. And whenever the situation's there, I feel this need to justify my behavior, and i got to prove my point. It's amazing to me how some people feel that they can't ever be wrong. They always have to be right. You know how difficult it is to deal with people like that? They can't just say, I don't know, or I shouldn't have done that, or I was sorry. And you know why they can't do that? It's sometimes they lack self-reflection. They're not honest with themselves. Just being honest in the moment is like sometimes the best way to save face. It's just getting out ahead of the situation. And I'm amazed when I deal with people that... that, that can't see someone's perspective, won't hear it. And it, a lot of it just comes from the inability to really be honest with your own heart, what's taking place inside of you. And if you could have that, man, you, you would find so many breakthroughs. You'd find such peace. You'd, you'd find the Lord's presence and goodness there. Maybe the problem you have is not knowing how to communicate respect, how to 
lean into somebody and really express that you're there to listen to them and hear from them. And I, and I watch that with people. And it's like when people feel disrespected, that that's when the emotions flare up. And some people like myself, it happens quick. Other people, they might stew at it. But if you could just find a way to say, I value you and communicate respect, you can resolve so many conflicts. That's what happened here in Scripture. Let me tell you why this is such an important thing. Because when you get on the same page, when you've had a conversation, and it leaves you free, and it leaves you at peace, it is so much easier to hear the voice of God in your life. Boy, I can't tell you how much this has happened to me. I don't know how. It must be the devil. Because Elizabeth might call me, on a Thursday morning, and we might get a little argument just before I start doing sermon prep. And if if I can't get through that conversation, I can't even get a sermon put together. I have to call the woman, and we have to talk it out. And as soon as we get it resolved, all of a sudden, heaven is open again. I'm in a right place with God. How are the gifts of the Spirit going to operate in your life if you don't have love and peace taking place? I find people who try to operate in them with bitterness in their heart, and I'm telling you, it comes out murky. It's a filter that it comes out. People project things. It's why it's so important for you to stay at peace with all people. And you'll walk with the Lord. You'll hear His voice. This is why it's important, because how you have relationship with people is a mirror of your own relationship with God. Yeah. How many just want to grow in conversation? You know, when it comes... I mean. I, I felt like, man, I, I studied and read all week on this. I felt like I grew from it. But I'm telling you, if you, you can have conversations that are fruitful, effective, and the Lord will bless them. Amen? So let's pray on that. Father, I thank you this morning for people growing in the things of God. Mm. I pray, Lord, you give them strength, confidence, grace, the ability to speak the truth in love. I pray, Lord, that, that we would be skilled communicators. And I pray that the, the fire of God would burn away chaff out of our hearts so that we could communicate properly. I pray, oh, right now I pray for honesty to come alive into people. Man, maybe you've never seen your side of the, your, only see your side. You don't see someone else's side. I pray right now the lights come on. I pray for self-awareness, self-reflectivity, moments of te- teachability in people where they can learn and glean and grow and bear fruit for the things of the Lord. Father, I just thank you for this group of people growing and the grace and the nurture of the Lord. Help us be fruitful and effective in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I love that. If you want to hear from the Lord, you've got to learn how to communicate with people. It'll help you so much. I ask the question, what really matters? In those conversations, they're difficult. People matter. Let me ask another question. What really matters to God? And the answer is the same. You matter to God. People matter to God. The nations of the world matter to God. And he's interested in souls. And he loves you dearly. And, you know, a lot of times in America, we do this moment where we pray. If you've never accepted the Lord, I'd love to give you the opportunity to just, you know, receive him. And that, that is, that's something that, like, it's just a doorway and it requires sincerity in your heart. And I'll just do that right now. If you don't know that you matter to God, I'd like you to just bow your head. And I want you to put a hand up, and I want to pray with you. You matter to the Lord. He cares about you. He loves you. Yeah. 